Wine Work and Passion is brought to you by the Napa Valley Wine Academy, America's premier wine school and two-time winner of the WSET Global Wine Educator of the Year Award. You can find a course that's right for you at NapaValleyWineAcademy.com and use the code in our show notes for a special discount. Greetings, wine enthusiasts and job seekers. Welcome to the Wine, Work, and Passion podcast, where we go beyond wine education and help you pursue your dream job in the exciting world of wine. I'm your host, Karen Wetzel, and I've been working with wine ever since I was old enough to serve my first glass. I know from experience that being part of the wine industry means more than a career, it's a lifestyle, and I've loved every minute of it. Our mission at Wine, Work, and Passion is to help you pursue your best life in the field you love. In each episode, I'll talk with wine industry insiders and leaders who know what it takes to help you get the interview, land the job, and flourish in this amazing world of wine. Wente Vineyards is located in Livermore, California. It was founded in 1883 and is America's longest continuously operating family-owned winery. Today, I'll talk to my friend, Allie Wente, their Vice President of Marketing and Consumer Experience, and she's a fifth-generation Wente wine grower. Allie has held brand development and marketing roles representing many well-known luxury brands and now works for her family's winery. She was also just named to wine enthusiast prestigious top 40 under 40 tastemakers for 2021. So super excited to talk to her about that. Allie will also share her expertise about working in marketing, as well as in hospitality and customer experiences. So be sure to stay tuned until the end when Allie will give us some actionable insights about how you can put your enthusiasm for wine together with your marketing or service skills and enter the exciting industry of wine. Welcome, Allie. How are you doing today? Good. Thank you for having me here, Karen. You're welcome. So I gave a little intro, but if you could tell the audience uh, who you are and what do you do in the wine industry? Yes. So uh, my name is Ali Wente. I am a fifth generation wine grower and to currently vice president of marketing and customer experience at Wente Family Estates, which is my family's business. Ah, well, you were a couple of big hats there. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. But I first, I always like to let the audience know, you know, most of my guests I've met before and have a, a little bit of a connection to. So thought maybe I'd give them a clue how we know each other. So Allie and I met a few years ago. We were both working at a big company called Constellation Brands. And she was a brand manager and I was a, I was a wine educator and uh, we used to collaborate on all kinds of different events and great Omega councils and all that great stuff. Um, and we even were really lucky uh, to be invited to go to Italy. Uh, one of our brands we represented was Rufino, and our good friend Beppe D'Andrea invited us to go to Italy to learn more about their products so we could bring that information back to the U.S. and educate our sales teams. And that was in 2018. And that's where you and I really connected. I mean, we knew each other, but... That was 
pretty special. I remember the picture in our hairnets and our lab coats <laughs> touring the facility. It was a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun. We were very lucky to go on that together. And yes. Peter Marks, our good friend. Yeah, with Peter Marks. And we just had Peter as a guest. He, I think he was our last guest on the podcast talking about wine education. So oh, yeah, fun. it's an incestuous business we're in. We all stay connected. We all know each other. I refer to the ex-constellation people as my ex-cons. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so we little- did too. We have a good network here. So um, anyway, so to get started, you know, can give the audience a little bit of a, a, a background on your journey. How did you end up in the wine industry? Um, that is a great question. Um, yeah, you know, I think I ended up in the wine industry probably because it runs in my blood a little bit. So um, for a little bit of context to everybody who's listening, um, my family is Uh, business, Wente Family Estates, has been in business for 138 years, so since 1883. So I I grew up in a small town um, in the East Bay area called Livermore. It is definitely a different town than when I grew up in it. It was very much a farming community uh, when I grew up. And so it felt, you know, as a young girl, I, I kind of wanted nothing to do with the wine industry or the family business. I was very independent, wanted to make sure, you know, I created my life exactly how I wanted it to be, (laughs) not what other people wanted from me. So, you know, I, I actually went to uh, Cal Poly San Luis Obispo and majored in journalism and wanted to be a broadcast TV reporter um, and had a pretty grueling internship in the back of a news van for an entire summer working 20 hour days and realized, you know, I think maybe this might not be for me. Um, I wound up in uh, land development somehow and worked a few years on kind of marketing new communities um, to the areas we were building in. And, you know, after a while I said, hey, you know, this engineering and politics, I think I could do something that's a little bit more fun. And all of a sudden it hit me straight in the face. And I said, why am I dragging my feet against wine? <laughs> you know, for crying out loud. I if you're going to fight something, it shouldn't be wine. <laughs> yeah, you know, at that time I was living in San Francisco. I was, a, you know, I'm a foodie at heart and kind of hopping around to new restaurants and um, wine bars and visiting the wine countries on the weekends was very much what I did. And I said, if this is a pure love for me in my personal life, you know, why am I going to continue to fight it in my professional life? Um, And so, yes, wound up working for Constellation Brands um, after connecting with a wonderful mentor of mine who soon became a mentor, but Michelle Perry. um, And she had an opening on her team. So I worked at Constellation for about four and a half years um, after my stint in land development for a few years and then came uh, to the family business after that. So it was the best decision I ever made. Coming home feels good. Yeah. And it's funny, isn't it? How rebellious we are. And, you know, Mike, not that I, I mean, my kids wanted nothing to do with the wine industry, but they wouldn't even drink wine when they turned 21 because that's mom's drink. Right. And then, and then I moved to Napa and all of a sudden, oh, well, we can go there. She'll bring us there if we drink wine. <laughs> now they're all drinking wine, of course. Uh, it's funny you mentioned Michelle because um, I'm actually doing some work with Michelle as well. So that's kind of fun. It does come all full circle, right? Small industry. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, 
I know you have your WSET level three. Congratulations. And you took that from Peter, correct? From Peter Marks after the day at at Constellation. So what, you know, obviously here at the Napa Valley Wine Academy, we are the largest provider of WSET in the world, except for the London School. So we're pretty proud of that. And we've won, you know, twice the educator of the year. Um, So WSET is very, very important to us. And we have, we, we teach more students than the WSET themselves do, which is kind of cool. But nonetheless, um, how, so what, what did WSET level three do for you? Why did you take it? And what, how did it impact your work or your personal life even? Oh my goodness. I mean, it was incredibly valuable to me at Constellation when I took it, you know, I was working in the fine wine marketing department And speaking about fine wine, you know, it really is helpful to truly understand it and feel confident about tasting. I think, you know, the tasting component to the level three is incredibly useful and and valuable. Um, I'll always remember, you know, at Robert Minavi Winery, when I was uh, the brand manager there, we used to sit around a table in the winemaking lab with you know, Geneviève Janssens, who I love so dearly with yes. Joe Harden, uh, when he was winemaker, we would sit around the table and, um, and you know, t- taste some of these wines. Peter would join us sometimes. So I'm sitting with, you know, a legend in winemaking, a master of wine, um, a copywriter who I may have been a master of wine. Um, so she was highly educated. Um, and, and Joe, who's a fantastic winemaker. And I think it really helped me build my confidence so I could sit there and speak to what I'm tasting and speak to why I'm tasting it and to understand what I want to be tasting in the wines. Right. Um, and so I can, you know, I'll always remember I made one remark before I'd really finished my WSET three and Genevieve kind of joked with me and said, oh, really? You taste that? Because I would never want that in my wine. Oh, <laughs> <And> my. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear that. I know. And so she gave me a hard time. And, but I would say that class really bolstered my confidence. And then, you know, I uh, soon after grew the brands I was managing to be, you know, Rafino, Rafino wine. So help me learn Italian wines and really understand that. Mm-hmm. It's so different than California. Then I started managing Champagne Palmer. So under, really understanding the Champagne region. And so there's so many valuable ways, I think. Um, it's helped me, but I would say ultimately just building my confidence is the most valuable piece of it all. Yeah. It's nice to have to understand the language. It's like learning a language really. And to understand when someone's using words or terms or describing wine in a certain way, why the where's and the why. So that's awesome. Well, I'm glad that I'm glad that you have that. So I, I want the audience to know a little bit more about Wente. You talked a little bit about the history. So maybe talk about your family, you know, sort of modern day history, if you will. And and then tell us about the the wines, maybe, you know, the size of your winery, you know, what your production, not necessarily in details. You may not want everybody to know that, but just in general, give us an idea of, you know, the, the family, the wines, and maybe your scope. Yeah, of course. So Today, the winery is is really run by the fourth and fifth generations of my family. So the fourth being my father, my uncle, and my aunt, all three siblings um, of the third generation. And um, they really paved the way, I'd say, when it comes to like wine and 
wine being a part of a lifestyle with developing and creating a, you know, Greg Norman designed golf course on our property to having a fine dining restaurant for 30 years where people could come and have our wines with, with meals to having um, a wonderful concert series out on the lawn. So really thinking about wine beyond the technical sense and, you know, the dinner table, but like, how do we really bring it into people's lives through different experiences? So they're now all three of them are now currently sitting on the board. So they're not in active daily management positions. Um, And so really the fifth generation I'd say is now at the helm. And that has been a recent transition of this year um, where, you know, my cousin Carl is our COO and chief winemaker. I sit on the senior leadership team aside him and oversee marketing and hospitality. My younger sister, Nikki, oversees our vineyard management and sustainability programs, which is really important to us. And I think a major area of focus for the fifth generation. Um, And then, you know, Jordan, my older sister, is um, she's been working in supply chain, but she's actually going to come over and work in marketing. Um, And my Older cousin Christine manages our Wente Foundation for Arts Education, where we raise money and support local arts education programs um, in the Bay Area. And so she helps keep that going. So all five of the six of us fifth generation children are now working together in the family business. So it really, truly oh. is family run. It's, you know, I have meetings with my family members about every day. Um, What's that like? <laughs> you know, it's good. I think a lot of people ask like, what's it like working with your family or how have you guys kept it going for five generations and um, a little bit of luck, a little bit of perseverance. Um, but I think, you know, now we really all have different areas of expertise from viticulture, wine growing in operations, you know, marketing, hospitality. To, so we all have a lot of respect for each other because we're all doing something that the other one is not. Um, so you're kind of all in your own lanes in a way. Exactly. We're all in our own lanes. We all like to have fun together. We all grew up, you know, on vineyard property so we could, you know, walk through the vineyards to get to each other's houses growing up. So we're a very close family, I'd say. Like my cousins feel more like siblings to me than cousins. Um, so we're really lucky in that sense. Yeah. Now tell the audience, where is Livermore? Because that's where the wine, you lived in Livermore, but that's where the winery is. Where the heck is Livermore? <laughs> yeah, where the heck is Livermore? Livermore is in the East Bay Area. Um, and so it East is... East Bay of San Francisco, just for our non-California audience. <laughs> Thank you. East Bay of San Francisco. And it's in a town called Livermore. Um, and actually, Livermore has been a wine growing region since the, you know, mid to early 1800s, around the same exact time as Napa and had a lot of early winemaking pioneers um, who really worked alongside the early pioneers of Napa. So, um, you know, I think a lot actually has come out of the Livermore Valley that has played, you know, major contributions to the wine industry in total from the Wente clone to the, the uh, Wetmore Concanon Cabernet clone. So we have Chardonnay, we have Cabernet clones that are coming out of the Livermore Valley um, that were really cultivated at a very early time in the wine industry. But somehow we've remained this secret gem, this hidden gem of the California wine industry. Right. Well, I love that you said, I was just, I just had just written down Wente clone. I wanted to ask you about that. I was, I was up at Ramsgate winery, I don't know, a couple months ago 
and they gave us a little tour of the vineyard. And at the on the the end, the posts at the beginning of the aisle was Wente Clone in their Chardonnay. So that was pretty cool. Um, I mean, that is really a respected clone. It's Chardonnay. I'm, I'm I'm saying Chardonnay, but then I'm thinking, am I right? Yeah, it's a Chardonnay clone, and it's a very well respected uh, clone that we see up here in Napa and Sonoma a lot as well. Yeah, you know, it's um, it's pretty special. My uh, great grandfather brought Chardonnay to California into my family's ranch um, and planted our first two acres in 1908, planted two more acres in 1912, and really started propagating a flavor quality style and vine health style early on. So taking the best flavors, taking the best health, grafting the two vines together and planting them forward. So he was really curating this expression that he was looking for. Um, and so in the early days, people would come directly to our farm, you know, and take cuttings to go plant them back. And we were good with sharing, you know, we wanted the wine right. industry to do well, which I think is great about wine. I think people always, you know, uh, rising tide lifts all ships. So, um, very much like that. And then, you know, we ultimately ended up working with UC Davis to get a heat treated clone. And now we, um, from some calculation and work I did as an intern calling just about every winery in California, um, we, tr- we believe that 75 to 80% um, of all California Chardonnay has genetic roots back to our property because we oh, had wow. an early handle on the varietal. Wow. Just out of curiosity, where did you, where did your, was it your great, great grandfather? Where, where did he bring the Chardonnay from? What part of the world? Yeah. So the first two acres, the cuttings were from Merceau, Burgundy. Ooh, nice. And then the second two was from Montpellier and he got it from a really well-known um, nursery called F. Richter Nursery back in the time there. So that's wow. where it came from. So both well, that- Burgundy. That's very cool. That's very cool. And the other thing, you know, I love about your winery. I mean, Livermore doesn't roll off the tongue when you think of wine regions, although it used to be quite a big, it was a lot of wineries there. Um, You know, unfortunately, a lot of that got paved over. You're very near Silicon Valley, correct? Yes. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Yeah. So it kind of became a, a bit of a concrete jungle. But what's cool about your place is that, you know, here in Napa, most 99% of the wineries here are not allowed to have restaurants on board, mm-hmm. where you have all of that. So you can really make, you know, it's a bit of a drive, you know, what is it from, say, Napa, hour and a half, something like that? Um, on a good day, I mean, for, to, from Livermore to downtown Napa, it's an hour. Oh, okay. So it's not that bad, but at least when you're there, you can make a, a bit of a day of it and, uh, or, or golf or, you know, all of that, uh, all of the above, which yeah. I think, I think makes it really a, a special place and it's a destination for sure, but it makes it a nice destination. So that's awesome. Yeah. We try really hard to make Livermore. My family's, my dad's mission, I think in his life, other than the company itself was to make Livermore a destination where people yeah. could really come um, and enjoy themselves. And, you know, it's an hour and a half from Napa, but it's 30 minutes from the Oakland airport. It's, you know, 45 to 55 minutes from um, SFO. So it's, you know, and it's just off a major highway essentially. So it's, it's very accessible. Yeah, good. Well, that's awesome. Very cool. Um, and if somebody, now your wines, you you have some wines that you sell at your winery only that are made just for your club members or your guests at the wineries, correct? Yeah. And then you've got a pretty healthy line, pretty well-known line of wines that are nationally distributed. 
Um, and I know I've sold, I've sold them and sold against them many times in my <laughs> distributor life <laughs> back and forth. Um, but I know, you know, they're such great wines and, and what, give us an idea of what your, like, what's your flagship wine? Uh, obviously Chardonnay, I'm guessing is your flagship. Yes. Yeah. And then, and then what else, what other kinds of wines do you make? Um, Chardonnay and Cabernet and Pinot Noir probably are, um, three flagships that we have about 2000 acres in the Livermore Valley that we, um, sustainably farm and a thousand acres in Arroyo Seco. So Arroyo Seco, we have, um, a lot, all of our Pinot Noir, uh, essentially is coming from Arroyo Seco Monterey. Um, we have a Chardonnay that's coming specifically from Arroyo Seco Chardonnay, our Reba Ranch Vineyard Chardonnay. So that's kind of a popular one that I think a lot of people love. But our most popular wine is our Morning Fog Chardonnay, and that comes just from the Livermore Valley. And it has, it's really named after the morning fog that kind of rolls into the Livermore um, area, sucked in from the bay uh, and lingers. So um, it's a really beautiful kind of fresh balanced style of Chardonnay. Right. Now the three wines you just mentioned, those are available online, right? Not those are not nationally distributed, correct? Or are they? Those ones are nationally distributed, yes. Oh, they are. Oh, okay. Oh, I didn't yeah. realize that. Yeah. Oh, good. So if you come to the tasting room, I mean goodness, we have a plethora of different blends, you know, Syrahs, different, you know, different Cabernet right. Franc, Rose, you know, lots of different fun varietals. We make sparkling brut um from our right. Royal Seco vineyard. So there's a lot to explore when you come to property, but um yeah. Right. And I'm assuming they could find your concert schedule and all that good stuff on your website. Yes. Yeah. Wentyvineyards.com. Okay. Well, you know, most of our audience is here to learn about how to come to work in the wine industry. So, you know, what I'd like to do, Allie, if it's okay with you, I, I know you have two big roles. You have the marketing uh, marketing side and then the hospitality side. So let's break those down. Um, let's talk about the marketing role first. So what what types of positions do you oversee? What type, what, you know, say from entry level up to, you know, directly under you, what types of jobs are available and what types of skills or credentials or, you know, certificates or whatever do, would a, would somebody need if they've got a marketing bug, if they, if they're interested mm -hmm. in the marketing side, or maybe they're marketing computers or, you know, something completely different, but want to get into wine and use those marketing skills. Yeah. Um, so I'll start with what I oversee. So within our marketing department, we have brand marketing, uh, which has been my career path moving through marketing. We have trade marketing. So that's really like focusing on um, accounts and, and supporting sales. Um, we have e-commerce. Um, so all very like digital first, digital marketing and direct selling um, through our, our e-commerce channels. Um, we have creative department. So um, if you're a designer, you love design. We're always looking for designers. Um and I'm like, I'm going to forget somebody here. Yeah, that's okay. But yeah, I think it's a lot yeah. of different career paths that you could take. Uh, and, and so, so somebody who's, who isn't, is just approaching college yeah. or thinking about maybe a career change and wants to get some, some college and say the marketing arm, that would just be a, a typical marketing path, right? Through a good school that's known for marketing programs, I would think. And then just target wineries when you come out on the other side. Is that does that sound fair? Yeah, I think that's a very linear path. Um, I'm not, you know, when I'm hiring people, 
just out of college. I'm not just looking at what their major was. Um, I mean, my major was journalism. Journalism would be great at marketing. You can write right. well, you can think, you know, well. So um, I think there's a lot of different uh, avenues you could take as a major. I'd say, you know, if you're trying to switch industries and maybe you work in selling computers, like you said, and you want to transition to um, selling wine, you know, I think um, writing a really good cover letter or somehow showing that you have a passion for wine. I mean, if you can market something, you can change. I, I'm very much like, you know, we're humans. We change our path in life often. Um, right. if you have a lot of passion for something and you're hungry. And if you can show that you're hungry and you want to be in it and you're passionate about it and have a hard time telling anybody, you know, that it wasn't a right fit, you know, so I think it's showing that. Right. So in other words, if they've been marketing some other product, maybe a maybe potato chips or any yeah. computers or anything else, you know, there's opportunity in the wine industry, even without the wine credentials per se, would say a WSET or some other wine credential enhance that sort of lack of wine experience? Oh, absolutely. There's no downside to, you know, a, a WSET or um credential. I mean, I would definitely, if you were in a different industry, but I saw you at a WSCT, you know, level two or level three, it would show me that you were really serious about it and that you understood the industry. So yeah, I think that would be a major leg up. You know, back in our constellation experiences, Allie, I remember as a wine educator being really surprised when we would hire people from this CPG, this consumer products good category with no wine experience, and they were going to come in and market wine. And I thought, well, what do they know about wine? How are they going to market it? But in the end, it sort of seemed to be kind of a good fit because here they were bringing other experiences from potato chips or bleach or laundry detergent or all these other, uh, other, other items, but they were bringing fresh ideas to the wine industry, which I do think the wine industry, sometimes we get a little stodgy and a little stuck in our ways. And, you know, it's great that you're fifth generation because I know your generation brings in all this new energy and new ideas. So anyway, um, you know, is, so is that CPG category a good, a good category if somebody's listening and that's what they're doing, getting into wine is not so bad. Absolutely. I think CPG is valuable. We love the outside insights and perspectives. I think, you know, the wine industry could be shaken up a little bit more than it is. So I'm a big proponent of bringing in new ideas and outside industries um, for people who can show that they're passionate about wine at the same time. So Allie, uh, that was great information about the marketing role. Let's switch hats now because I know you wear two. Um, let's talk about that consumer experience. What uh, What's under that umbrella? What types of jobs and you know how would people go about getting a job under this umbrella? Yeah, uh, great question. So that really is the hospitality side um, of the business. And so, you know, it's everything from... Um, working at our grill and working on, you know, in the kitchen or in the wait staff there, it's our tasting room team. So if you want to be a wine sales ambassador and really teach our customers about wines and host them to teaching classes and taking people on tours to um, events, you know, we have folks who help host weddings um, on our property. And um, yeah, so there's a large breadth of uh, positions, especially on the hospitality side of the business. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so what, so what type of experience or college or credentials do you look for? Or, I mean, I assume it varies by job, um, but what would be, a, a, where do you need to start? What kind of 
what place do you need to start at? Yeah, good question. You know, I'd say for college credentials, um, we don't look super hard at, at your college credentials on the hospitality side of the business. I think what we were really most interested in is your work experience. So, you know, if you're in college and you can work a couple days at a restaurant or you can even work a few days in retail sales, you know, even at a clothing store, or if you ha- can, you know, if you went to San Luis Obispo, Cal Poly, like I did, and you can work in a tasting room, you know, every other weekend or something, just showing that you understand um, customer needs and and hosting and making a good experience. I think that's really what we're most interested in. Yeah, that's great to hear. I, you know, I'm, I also am our resident career coach at the Napa Valley Wine Academy. And a lot of my coaching clients, you know, they come to me with with what they think of as no experience, but maybe they have, maybe they're getting a WSET level one or level two, but they have no, in their mind, no wine experience. And I haven't sent me their resume. And I'm like, okay, you don't have wine experience. And of course, every app, every job description says requirement, you know, two to three years selling wine. But I always tell them, don't let a job description stand in your way of applying for a job because that's they're looking for the unicorn and they're never going to find the exact unicorn. And there was, you know, there's often so many things on their resume that even though it wasn't selling wine, like you say, coming out of the retail experience or restaurants, um, you know, anything to do with customer service, if you've worked in a hotel or sold shoes or, you know, like you say, anytime you can connect that to, uh, to helping to provide an excellent experience for a customer, um, we can really, we can work with that. And you'd be surprised, go up and down Highway 29 up here in Napa, all 500 wineries, they're not all WSET certified. <laughs> so, uh, especially right now, because we're so desperate for employees. <laughs> Speaking of that, are you guys experiencing an employee shortage as well? Oh, yes. Come one, come all. Come yeah. work for us. <laughs> there you go. See, and you don't even have to live in Napa to work at a winery. See how nice that is? <laughs> we're hiring. Go to wentyvineyards.com backslash careers. <laughs> okay, I'm looking it up right now. I'm applying. <laughs> you got something for me, Al? <laughs> yeah, it's always cared. Uh, I'll be working at sl- digging out the grape skins. <laughs> I'm good at that. I was so thrilled. What was it about a month, maybe a month ago, maybe not even so thrilled to see the wine enthusiast top 40 under 40 tastemakers issue for this year and seeing my good friend Allie on, on there with their little pouring the champagne. It was so awesome. Um, I'm really, I, I was, of all the people I know, you tickled me the best, I think, really. I've been fortunate to know a few people on that list in the past. And so tell tell me about that. Tell how did it happen? How did you find out you want that you were nominated or that you were in, you know, instilled into the list? Tell us all about it. Yeah. Uh well, thank you. And it really has been fun. Um, it was a big surprise. I mean, I um I'm not exactly sure how I got on the list. Um, but I got an email letting me know that I had been nominated by somebody, um, asked everybody at my company, was it you? And it wasn't. So, um, you know, I think it it was a really pleasant surprise and, um, it was very fast moving. It was like, you're nominated. Okay. You got it. Okay. We have to do a photo shoot in like a week. Okay. It's going to be in the magazine, you know, October issue really September. And I'm like, wow, goodness. So, um, it's been a whirlwind, but it's been really fun and, uh, a huge honor. 
Yeah, that's cool. So talk about the picture that uh, if you, I mean, we're, we're on a podcast, so we, they can't see it, but if you get the, if you go on wineenthusiast.com, you'll, and under 40, under 40, you'll see it, but it's sort of a cascading fountain or pyramid of champagne glasses with you pouring in the top glass. How, who came up with that idea, that concept? Was that you or was it the magazine? Yeah, no, it was actually Chardonnay. It was a tower of Chardonnay glasses, and I had thought of it. Um, the the magazine kind of said, you know, do something that is fun that represents you and your brand. And I thought, well, what better than a tower of Chardonnay for Beautiful. the people who really jump started Chardonnay in the industry and my personal favorite variety. There you go. Oh, you know, I have to look at that tile a little closer. <laughs> Maybe my bifocals need adjusting. Well, it I guess it is champagne. So to be well, fair, thing, I've seen it. I've seen that done, and I've only seen it done with champagne. So maybe a bad assumption on my part, but that's a very cool way also to highlight the Chardonnay. Yeah, um, that's very cool. I love that. Um, well, and and is it so? Now are you like as paparazzi following you around? Are you big celebrity? <laughs> Oh my goodness. No, (laughs) Um, I am not, but you know, I haven't picked up the issue myself um, in person and I'm sure that will feel kind of like a pinch me moment when I see it live. Yeah. That's awesome. And is anybody in your family riding you a little bit about it? Jab, giving you a few jabs here and there? (laughs) No, I think they were all really excited for me um, and thought it was awesome and probably thought it was great publicity for the brand. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, I'm sure they're really, really proud of you as, as I am just being your friend. I'm super proud of you. So having said all that, Allie, what does the future, do you think the future holds for you? Oh, what a question. Um, You know, I I think I have some really big shoes to fill. The generations before me really um, set the stage. But I think, you know, what I feel super passionate about is um, leaning in and growing our commitment to sustainability, um, you know, practices when it comes to really holistically. So when it comes to our operations in the vineyard and doing what's better for the earth, our operations at the winery, you know, choices we're making in packaging that can help offset our carbon footprint to, um, you know, the ways that we are treating our employee family and our customers and our community and really making sure we're putting our best foot forward. So, you know, I, I do a lot too on like the culture side, um, of things. And so really developing the culture and company that I want to last for many, many more generations to come. And so I see myself really pouring a lot of time and energy into, into that. That's awesome. That's so cool. What a great answer. (laughs) Uh, Well, okay. So we're kind of getting toward the short strokes here. We're getting toward the end. And one thing, as I mentioned to you earlier, I always like to leave our audience with a couple of things, two, three, you know, actionable items, things that if they want to get into your arena, what can they do right now to make that happen? Besides going to wentevineyards.com and applying, <laughs> that's the first step. And I'll just call that one out. But let's break them down by the two different umbrellas that you cover. So somebody wants uh, to, you know, either gain marketing skills or use the, their current skills to move into the wine industry. What is there one or two things that they can stop, make a note and get it done now to help that happen? Well, I'll help you with a plug, but I do think the WSET um, courses are really great. And I think that shows your commitment to wine. So what I would say is just, you know, 
Um, actions speak louder than words, sometimes, especially words on a resume. Um, and so how can you lean in to areas that you want to get into? You know, I think when I was moving from land development to um, true marketing, I was doing more like political and, and sort of like community re- relations, communication, PR type work before coming into a brand marketing role. And I had a, a food blog um, on the side and actually used that food blog to get my my job at Constellation to show that I really understand marketing and I am a writer and I understand content. And so just thinking about that, you know, how can, what can you do um, to really show your interest in the area that you want to get into, you know, so be it working in retail or doing a little side gig at a restaurant, you know, how can you show that, that you're invested in yourself, educationally, WSET, any marketing courses you want to take, customer service or hospitality courses, or physically doing the work, you know, before you actually get the job, I think is a really great way to showcase that you're um, committed to your success. So one of the things I often tell my coaching clients is to post original content on their LinkedIn page, wine, you know, about wine regions or their favorite wine or, you know, anything to do with wine, because it shows that you have a seriousness about it, even if you don't have that particular piece in your, in your, um, on your resume. Um, and also I do think social media is, can be a great segue, especially in this you know, in, in this, at this time, I mean, I'm all over Instagram and I'm, they call me the Instagramma. That's how old I am, (laughs) but you know, but it really is a great way to make connections. It is ageless and it, it does show, um, your style and your abilities. So I, in blogging and and all of that kind of thing. So I do think that's great advice. And would you say that's the same kind of thing under the hospitality umbrella as well? Yeah, I would say never start, never stop marketing yourself. I think LinkedIn is a really powerful tool. So that's a really great platform for you to mention. And then yeah, you know, on the hospitality side, same thing. Um, Market yourself, make connections, you know, I think networking is a really powerful tool. Um, Gosh, I mean, networking opens doors like you never believe. So I would say absolutely do that. Talk to your friends, friends, friends of your friends, friends, you know, just like make put yourself out there. Don't be shy about it. Um, and yeah, for the hospitality side, again, it's just like, you know, if you could do a little side gig somewhere to get the experience that you need to really, uh, bolster your resume, I would highly suggest it. Yeah. I think we underestimate the value of working in restaurants and what that does, uh, restaurants or catering, um, like you say, wine bars, um, there's a lot of value there. It really shows hard work and, you know, that you're really entrepreneurial because of course, you know, you're working for tips and that, and it seems that also at any time you can get involved in event planning or managing or that end of hospitality seems to come up a lot in, uh, in my universe as well. So, um, you know, I'll throw, I'll throw those two as, as my two cents in there any, as well. So any, anything else you want our audience to know about you or the winery alley that we didn't get a chance to talk about? No, I think um, it has been such a pleasure to be here. I think, you know, we are hiring. So if you are interested, you can come look. But yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's always fun to get to talk about my family's business. I'm um, really proud of the um, legacy that the generations before us have really built and look forward to continue building for the future. 
It really shows, Allie. It, it really does. I know you from Constellation. You were not beaming like you do now that you're back at the family <laughs> business. So <laughs> you were beaming, but not quite as much. <laughs> well, Constellation Al, was set me up for success. So I have a lot to thank for that. <laughs> well, good. Uh, well, you know, such such a pleasure always. You and I have reconnected. In fact, you and I did an Instagram interview a couple of months ago. Maybe, gosh, maybe almost a year ago at this point. But anyway... It's always great when I get to reconnect with you and really enjoyed having you as a guest today. I feel like you this was a good one. You really gave our audience some good insights as to how they can use skills they already have or maybe create some new skills to get them into your side, whether it's marketing or hospitality. Really appreciate you sharing your experience, your expertise. And you know, you re- you've inspired me for many, many years, and now you're inspiring our wine work and passion audience as well. And I can't thank you enough for that, Allie. Oh, well, thank you so much. I'm truly touched. It was a pleasure. And, you know, Karen, if people have questions or follow-ups to this, I'd be more than happy to give more advice. So just know I'm always here to to help uh, the next generation of our, our wine industry uh, folks out there. Well, that's great. Well, they know how to find us at the Academy and the Academy knows how to find me if they can't find you. So <laughs> between us, we'll, uh, we'll be able to help anybody who needs it at this point. Well, thanks again, Allie, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining me today on Wine, Work, and Passion. I hope our show has inspired you to follow your passion for wine and find a job in our great industry. If you'd like a one-on-one career coaching session with me, just use the link in the show notes for more information and to schedule an appointment. At Wine, Work, and Passion, our goal is to make this podcast all about you. So we'd love to hear your suggestions for wine job-related guests or topics. You can submit your ideas by emailing us at wwp at napavalleywineacademy.com. And if you enjoyed the program, we'd greatly appreciate a good review on iTunes. And of course, always feel free to share wine, work, and passion with anyone that could benefit from it. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you next time.